Welcome to this Alan and Overy podcast. My name is Beverly Potts, a senior PSL within our international IP team. On the 29th of March 2019, the UK will leave the EU. At the moment, we're all preparing for all scenarios. This includes if the UK leaves the EU on the 29th of March without a withdrawal agreement and without a transitional period. This podcast is the next in the series of A&O presentations and looks at the impact of Brexit on IP rights and the measures that the UK government is putting in place to ensure rights are not lost on the 30th of March. Joining me today to help explain all of this is David Stone, who is a partner and global head of the IP practice here at A&O. David, let's start with the two pan-EU IP rights, the EU trademark, or EUTM, and the registered community design, or RCD. What will happen to these rights on Brexit? And most importantly, will the owners of these rights lose their protection in the UK? Thanks, Bev. As you say, it's difficult at the moment to say with any certainty whether there'll be a withdrawal agreement in a corresponding transitional period, or whether the UK will leave the EU on the 29th of March without any deal. Uh, If the UK does ratify a withdrawal agreement, uh, EUTMs and RCDs will continue in force in the UK during the transition period, which is currently proposed to end uh, in December 2020, although it can be extended. At the end of that transition period, the holders of EUTMs and RCDs that are registered before the end of the transition period will automatically become the owner of an equivalent UK child or cloned right with the same priority date. There will be no re-examination of the mark or design, and there will be no cost to the IP owner. So no existing rights will be lost, and the marks and designs will still be protected in the UK. In addition, any applicant with a pending application for an EUTM or RCD at the end of the transition period will be given nine months in which to file an application for equivalent UK protection that, again, will still have the same priority or filing date. And if we end up with a no-deal Brexit? In those circumstances, the UK government has promised that all existing registered EUTMs and RCDs will remain protected in the UK by an equivalent child or cloned trademark or design. Again, the new UK right will be provided with minimum administrative burden, which implies that there will be no re-examination by the UK IP office. So again, existing rights will retain protection in the UK. Applicants for a pending EUTM or RCD that are ongoing on Brexit Day will again be given nine months to refile these in the UK for the same protection, retaining the original filing date. Rights holders taking these steps will need to meet the cost of refiling the application in accordance with the UK's usual application fee structure. Thanks, David. That all sounds reassuring. However, in order to be 100% certain, do you think it would be sensible for EUTM and RCD owners to start double filing to ensure they don't lose protection in the UK? By that I mean, do you think they should duplicate any of their existing EUTMs or RCDs by also filing a new UK trademark or registered design? No, Bev. At this stage, we're not advising double filing. It can't hurt, of course, uh, but with a larger portfolio, it quickly becomes quite expensive. The UK government has said that it's keen to avoid any loss of rights and so is committed to creating equivalent UK child or cloned rights with minimal administrative burden regardless of whether there's a deal with the EU or not. Accordingly, at this stage, filing for additional UK marks and designs when there's an existing EUTM or RCD appears to us to be unnecessary. It's duplicative and it can be expensive. On either a deal scenario or a crash-out scenario, 
the pan-EU rights will be cloned automatically and for free. Okay, so that's clarified the situation in relation to registered trademarks and designs. However, many businesses trading in fast-moving goods, such as those in the fashion industry, rely heavily on unregistered rights, such as the unregistered community design. What is going to happen to that sort of protection after Brexit? Yes, Bev, the unregistered community design, which lasts for up to three years, uh, is great for protecting high fashion items such as clothing and footwear. Under the current withdrawal agreement, any unregistered community designs that exist at the end of the transition period will be given equivalent protection in the UK for the duration of the right. Again, in the event of a no-deal Brexit, the UK government has said that it will ensure that all unregistered community designs which exist on Brexit Day will continue to be protected in the UK for the remaining period of protection of the right, up to three years, with no action required by the right holder. That's great if your right arises before the date of Brexit, but what about new rights going forwards? Yes, unfortunately, this is where it gets more complicated uh, for rights created after Brexit Day. The UK government has said that it will create a new unregistered design right under UK law, which mirrors the characteristics of the current unregistered community design. The new right will be known as the Supplementary Unregistered Design Right. The result is that designs which are first disclosed in the UK after it exits the EU will be protected by this new right in the UK, but not protected in the EU 27. One real difficulty for designers is how they will try to obtain protection for their designs in both the EU 27 via a community unregistered design and in the UK via the new supplementary unregistered design. To achieve this, they will have to disclose the design for the first time simultaneously in both the EU 27 and in the UK. Uh, which is going to be challenging uh, unless there's some case law that accepts that an online or internet disclosure achieves both at the same time. And we shouldn't forget that the UK also has a 10 to 15 years unregistered design right, which isn't impacted by Brexit. Yes, that's right. So the, currently the UK is the only EU member state with its own unregistered design right, and that won't change with Brexit. It's a creature of UK law. But that right protects three-dimensional designs, for example, so it doesn't cover things such as surface decoration. It covers different things to the current UK unregistered design. There are already five different IP rights that can protect designs in the UK, and we could see that increasing to eight after Brexit. So an already complex area of the law is going to get even more complicated, and designers um, should get advice if, understandably, they're confused. OK, let's move on to data. We know that many UK-based businesses invest heavily in obtaining, verifying or presenting data in databases. Is this sort of investment going to be protected after Brexit? Yes, I can see why UK businesses might be concerned. Um, under the terms of the current withdrawal agreement, any EU sui generis database rights that subsist at the end of the transition period will remain in force in the UK and the EU for the duration of those rights, so that's up to 15 years. However, unfortunately, nothing has been agreed in relation to any such rights that arise after the end of the transition period. There's also genuine concern if the UK exits the EU without a deal. 
In those circumstances, there's no obligation for the EU27 to provide sui generis database rights to UK nationals, residents and businesses. The UK government has therefore acknowledged that UK owners of database rights may find these rights to be unenforceable in the EU after Brexit. UK legislation will be amended so that only UK citizens, residents and businesses are eligible for new database rights after Brexit, but the government has recommended that in order to mitigate a potential loss of rights in the EU, UK owners should consider relying on other forms of protection, such as copyright or restrictive licensing agreements. Um, it always makes sense for IP owners to consider all available forms of IP and, of course, contractual protection, but there's a real risk that copyright won't plug the gap uh, if sui generis database rights are lost in the EU27. Uh, copyright protects something different. Uh, it doesn't protect the sweat of the brow investment in obtaining, verifying or presenting a database. Thank you, David. We also know that lots of businesses have been keeping a close watch on the EU's digital single market strategy. And there are IP aspects of this strategy that have already been concluded, such as the portability of online content. This benefits UK consumers at the moment because it allows them to access their online content services, such as their Netflix account, when they are temporarily in another EU member state. Will this still be the case after Brexit? Um, interestingly, copyright's not mentioned in the withdrawal agreement, um, but the portability regulation, which is the one that has direct effect in the UK, will remain in place during any transition period. With a no-deal Brexit, portability will cease to apply to UK nationals when they travel to the EU, so online content service providers will no longer be required to offer cross-border access to UK consumers. UK consumers may therefore see restrictions to their online content when they temporarily visit the EU. And there is also the proposed new copyright directive, which is causing lots of controversy. What's going to happen to that after Brexit? Uh, it's still at this stage pretty unclear what the final version of the new copyright directive will look like uh, and when the provisions will be agreed by the EU institutions. However, if the UK retains the status quo under a transitional arrangement, it may decide to implement the directive before the end of the transition period. However, on a no-deal Brexit scenario, there will be no obligation on the UK to implement the proposals. The UK, of course, may unilaterally choose to align its laws with the directive um, if it agrees with the final requirements, but that's not yet been agreed. OK, that appears to have been a real focus during the withdrawal negotiations on geographical indications, or GIs. These promote and protect the names of quality agricultural products, such as gorgonzola cheese, Melton Mowbray pork pies. Will they still be protected after Brexit? Yes, Bev, geographical indications are very important to the EU, so they've played a big role uh, in negotiations so far. In the withdrawal agreement, the UK has agreed that the holders of GIs that are protected in the EU at the end of the transition period will be entitled to use the GIs in the UK without re-examination and will be granted the same level of protection in UK law as under the current EU regime. The protection will cease in the UK if the GI loses its protection in the EU following the transitional period. And if we have a no-deal? Uh, in a no-deal scenario, the UK government has said that it will set up its own GI scheme, which will be compliant with international requirements, broadly mirror the EU regime and be no more burdensome to producers. The protection will be similar to that enjoyed now by UK GI producers, 
with all 86 UK GIs given new UK GI status automatically. We are expecting further guidance on this new UK GI scheme early this year. OK, and what about EU GIs if there's no deal? If there's no deal, the UK will no longer be required to recognise EU GIs and instead EU producers will be able to apply for the new UK GI status. The UK anticipates that the EU will agree that all current UK GIs will continue to be protected by the EU's GI scheme. However, if that's not the case, the government has recommended that UK producers submit new applications post-Brexit as third country producers and the government will support these applications by providing proof that the GI is protected in the UK. In order to provide certainty, producers might also consider protecting their products by way of an EU collective mark or an EU certification mark. Do we know what will happen to the exhaustion of IP rights? That's the regime whereby an IP owner cannot use IP rights to prevent the importation of goods into a member state if those goods have already been placed on the EEA market either by the IP owner or with its permission. Will that still be the case, or will we be seeing more parallel imports of IP-protected goods coming into the UK, either from the EU27 or from elsewhere? Bev, the current proposed withdrawal agreement doesn't say much on this issue at all. Uh, Basically, any IP rights that have been exhausted in the UK and EU before the end of the transition period will remain exhausted. Essentially, this means that there's no opportunity for double dipping, that is, trying to enforce IP rights in a post-Brexit UK if they were previously exhausted in the EU. In the event of a no-deal Brexit, the UK government has stated that the UK will continue to recognise the EEA regional exhaustion regime to provide continuity in the immediate term. It is not clear at this stage how long the immediate term will be, but the aim is to ensure that parallel imports of goods such as pharmaceuticals used in the NHS can continue from the EEA into the UK. The government has also acknowledged that there may be restrictions on the parallel importation of goods from the UK to the EEA, as the decision to accept exhausted goods from the United Kingdom rests with the EU27, or in reality with the relevant rights holders within the EU27. This creates uncertainty, so the current advice is for parallel importers to check with EU rights holders to see if permission will be needed. So are you saying that we might have one rule for IP-protected goods coming into the UK and one rule for goods coming out of the UK? Yes, unfortunately I am, um, at least for what's described as the immediate term. However, I should note that the UK government is currently considering all options and has proposed a research programme to try and come to a decision. OK, we've talked a lot about IP in general, but we haven't mentioned patents at all, or the proposed Unified Patents Court, or UPC. Do you have any thoughts on that at the moment? Yes, Bev, there's almost no mention in the proposed withdrawal agreement uh, of patents at all, except very briefly for talking about compulsory licences. Um, That's probably because, unlike for trademarks and designs, there's currently no EU-wide patent, and there will be no change either to the UK patent system or the system of patents administered through the European Patent Office, which, as you know, is not an EU organisation. As you say, there's a lot of uncertainty around when and if the unified patent court system will come into effect. Some of that uncertainty stems from Brexit, but there's also a challenge to the legality of the system ongoing in Germany. I I think that's a discussion for another time. Finally, is there anything IP owners need to be doing now? 
What about their IP contracts, such as any IP licenses or settlement agreements? Bev, I've already said that we're not advising clients to be double filing EUTMs and RCDs. Uh, Let's wait and see what happens. One thing uh, businesses can be doing uh, is looking at any new agreements that they're entering into. That might be license agreements, it might be settlement agreements, it might be coexistence agreements. If those agreements uh, include the EU as a term of the agreement, um, then it would be wise to set out exactly what's meant by that. So if it means the EU plus any member state that leaves, or if it means the EU excluding any member state that leaves, uh, be clear about that now so as to avoid years of litigation uh, into the future. If you have particularly important licences, it may be worth trying to renegotiate them now to ensure that that provision at least is clear following Brexit. Thank you, David, for a great overview. For anyone who would like to read more about the effect of Brexit on IP rights, please refer to the FAQs that accompany this podcast and can be found on the same webpage. Music